Sabonis brought it to him. Hey, what is up? I am Jack with the All Pacers Pod, and we got a special episode for you today because I am joined by Sal Knight, who is running the All Pacers Instagram account, which is all dot Pacers, not all underscore, like on Twitter. But dude, I'm I'm glad you're joining us. This is your first podcast appearance, and um, I'm hoping you're excited for this, and I'm hoping everyone listening is excited to get to know Sal a little bit more because this is going to be very Sal focused. I hope you're cool with that, Sal. But yeah, that's um, fine. Yeah, before we get into what we have planned today, Sal, um, let's hear a little bit about you. Um, when you became a Pacers fan, I don't know. We'll just go from there. Sound good? Yeah, sure. Going into grade 12, uh, final year of high school. Uh, one of the few Pacers fans in uh, Canada, at least where I'm from. Uh, you know, I got to represent, uh, stay loyal to the team. I've been a fan since uh, before the uh, Cavs and Pacers series back in 2018 was that. Uh, so I've been uh, rocking with the Pacers since then. Um, watching players, uh, I mean, at first I was a Sabonis fan, but then I kind of like studied the team and I became a fan of the team and it was pretty cool watching players like Sabonis start from coming off the bench to becoming an all-star, which is something that really cool that was, uh, I was able to enjoy watching. Um, so yeah, I've just been a fan ever since. Yeah. So a fresh Pacers fan, but what I, I will say is to be a Pacers fan, you either have to be in Indiana and suffer through it your whole life in a lot of ways. I mean, there's a ton of highs and a ton of joy that comes from it. But if you're an international Pacers fan, that's like almost a whole another level of Pacers fandom because you don't have to be a Pacers fan. You choose to be a Pacers fan. And Sal, um, I'm sure all of our Croatian and uh, Israeli and Italian Pacer fans out there would all agree. Um, we're glad that you're a Pacers fan and we're glad that you're in this fandom. And I mean, I was doing the Instagram before you came along on my own. And I got to say, since you've taken over, it's on a whole new level. So Sal, uh, we're excited for you to be a part of this uh, brand uh, at All Pacers. And well, I mean, we'll see if it's All Pacers for much longer, but we're excited for you to be a part of this for now and uh, going forward in the future too. Just excited for you to be a part of this. So um, top three Pacers all-time go reggie miller jermaine o'neal paul george really not even sabonis i see a sabonis jersey behind you nah not yet not yet wow Sabonis gotta get a couple more things under his belt before he gets up there all right well i expected it to be more recent pacers since you said like the 2017 ish uh, time period I've is when you became a fan. Miller. I uh, I went on his Instagram live stream uh, a couple of years ago. So yeah, you got you and him, man. Couple buds. He called me. He called me his best friend from uh, <laughs> from Manitoba. So you know, let's go. I, I gotta represent him. That needs to go in your Instagram uh, bio. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, um, my top three is Reggie, Jermaine, and then. I don't, I don't know. It used to be Oladipo. I'm still, I'm work, I'm workshopping things. So, but I'll tell you right now, it's not Paul George. So I definitely, you know this, I disagree with you on that big time, but hey, we can still yeah. be friends. We got a cool episode today. Uh, Sal is big into the new players that we've gotten on the Pacers this year. Some of the rookies, um, some of the veterans that we signed. Actually, we only signed one veteran, right? It's just Torrey Craig, right? I'm trying to think, do we, 
I guess like yeah. No, Dwayne Washington never played. Yeah, it's a little, a little disappointing. More. We lost a little more veteran mentorship. Yeah, sure. we. I guess we re-signed T.J. McConnell. Um, yeah, which, that was a big one. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about all this stuff in a bit. But what we wanted to talk about today, and Sal, I know you're excited to talk about this, is player comparisons for these incoming players that we have on our team. So we're looking at Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson. Uh, do you have you? Dwayne Washington, right? Dwayne Washington Dwayne and Washington. Uh, Dijon Giroux, I believe. Dijon Giroux, yep. And uh, I actually went ahead. I didn't tell you this before. Um, I actually went ahead and got all of our returning players, or a lot of our returning players. I went ahead and did some comparisons on them. When Perfect. I started a f- being an NBA fan in the early 2000s, uh, I, I, you know, like that's when I first started getting shaped into the NBA fan that I am now. So a lot of my comparisons come from that era. I hope you guys and uh, Sal, I hope you as well know a lot of these guys. I'm sure you will, but we'll, we'll kind of test your knowledge with this too. So um, I'm excited to hear your comps. I, I'm going to be honest. I am a Pacers fan. I love Chris Duarte coming in. I love Isaiah Jackson coming in, but I don't know much about them other than summer league and what I've heard from, you know, some NBA scouts. So I'm hoping that we'll get some more in-depth analysis from you and some of these comps. And I'm excited to hear your thoughts on these guys going forward and get us hyped a little bit more. So um, how do you want to start? Do you want to just go through one of these guys and then we can alternate or do you want to do all new guys first? We can do some alternating. Uh, I can start with our uh, most hyped prospect, I guess, in uh, Duarte. Perfect. Uh, immediately off the bat on draft night, I was a little disappointed knowing Moody was on the board and knowing that Duarte is 24 but, I mean, looking back over the summer league uh, and seeing, like, his talent, I am pretty impressed with how he played. Uh, I think it was in around 25 minutes, he averaged 18 and a half points, about 50% from three, and uh, four assists, four rebounds, and two and a half blocks, surprisingly. Amazing. And just about two steals. So he showed his offensive and defensive capabilities. He looks like he can be a go-to scorer, whether that's off the bench for us this season or somehow he improves to be a starting quality player. And also being a good defender, uh, something the Pacers did lack last season, at least, uh, was a bit of a defensive identity. Tuarte can kind of bring some defense, at least, to our second unit. He also showed athleticism that we didn't really expect he had. You know, we probably, I think everyone's seen that block that he had on Obi Toppin where he jumped up and swatted it with two hands. That was very impressive. Uh, Along with this, like in college, you could see that he did dunk the ball a lot. He kind of showed that he was able to get up there and uh, hammer some entertaining uh, jams down the hoop. Yeah, so what player comparisons do you have for him? What's, I don't know how you did this. Do you have like a best-case scenario, or do you just have like a, a guy that you think he could turn into? So I kind of started off with a, a realistic uh, – I did realistic players for um, – each of the newcomers. I started off with saying Chris Duarte. In the long term, maybe after even after even his prime, I'd say uh, Danny Green and Wesley Matthews would be like a good long-term comparison. They can both play good defense. They can shoot the ball. Saying that Duarte is going to have a long tenured career in the NBA, whether it's with the Pacers or not, hopefully with uh, the Pacers, but he does have a very good three-point jump shot and uh, he's an experienced and high IQ defender. Another uh, comparison that I made that uh, is kind of out of the blue was uh, Tyreek Evans, but with a better three-point jump shot. The thing that Danny Green and Wesley Matthews don't really have that Duarte does have is a lot more of a driving game and being able to get to the basket. That's something Tyreek Evans 
has shown, you know, he used to be a really high prospect. He won uh, rookie of the year, I believe. He was a promising uh, prospect and he did play at the Pacers a bit. That was some dark times, but uh, he could be a good player. Uh, I know, I, I don't remember what podcast I heard this on, but I'm pretty sure Jay Michael said that a source in the Warriors front office said that Dorote is like a Clay Thompson clone. So I really liked when I heard that, although it might be unrealistic to compare him to Clay Thompson because Clay Thompson, of course, one of the best shooters ever. I mean, they were really upset when the Pacers took Duarte. Uh, I also saw that Moody and a few picks were offered to get Duarte uh, after the draft, but it seems like the Pacers are pretty solid on taking this uh, pick. So, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about with Duarte. Uh, he definitely has a lot of hype around him, especially after the summer league. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I'm glad you said summer league because I had to remind myself after watching Duarte play that Omri Caspi is one of the greatest all-time summer league players that never really panned out in the NBA. So, I mean, he had an okay career. I'm not going to bash him for that. But when guys have these excellent summer league um, debuts, it's really easy for us to overreact. But at the same time, we got to see, like you said, some of his defensive instincts. And when the when I hear you say the J, we've talked about this before off the podcast. J. Michael said the Warriors were comparing him to Clay Thompson. I thought that was crazy at first, and I still do in a lot of ways because of what Clay Thompson has accomplished in his career. But the three-point shooting is there. The shot creating was clearly there. And then, the, like I said, the defensive instincts were off the charts. And when uh, you said, which I didn't know, I don't know any of your comparisons coming into this. So I just want everyone to know that. When you said Danny Green and Wes Matthews, my, my initial thought was, yeah, I can see that as the 3 and D type of player that he is. But he is a shot creator, like I said, and maybe like prime Wes Matthews in a way kind of embodied that too. And if Duarte turns into Wes Matthews, I think that's a huge win for Pacers or for the Pacers, especially at the 13th pick, you know. And I mean, Danny Green in his own way too has been a great uh, NBA role player and 3 and D player too. And yeah, I mean, Duarte, there's tons to be excited about for him. He is 24, which is, you know, like he is developed in a lot of ways more than these 18 year olds that he's playing against in the summer league. But um, if at least the three and D aspect of his game is there and stays there for a long time, then he is going to have a long career and hopefully it is with the Pacers, like you said. So I love those comparisons with Tyreek Evans too. Maybe there is like a combination of all of that where you get the shot creating of Tyreek Evans, the creativity of Tyreek Evans in his prime pre, you know, whatever happened with him with the Pacers and if you mix some of that with, you know, some of the Wes Matthews and Danny Green game too, like maybe that's what Chris Duarte can turn into. And if that is the case, then, you know, that's going to be a really good potential all-star NBA player. And, you know, long shot for rookie of the year this year too. I think, look, if he is able – look, one injury to Levert or Brogdon, I think Duarte gets the nod into the starting lineup sooner rather than later. And man, if you are into sports betting and you want to throw a couple bucks on Duarte to win Rookie of the Year, that might not be a bad pick. We'll see. So hey, like you know what's up? Finish uh, top five, maybe top five without injuries of the starters. There's a lot of talent in this draft, very deep draft. So I'm not sure if he would. Uh, I don't even think he has a realistic chance of winning Rookie of the Year. But you know, anything can happen. Uh, the NBA is always changing. So. Yeah, and it, it does, you know, it seems like a pretty good top of the draft class group 
So like it almost seems like it's Cade Cunningham or Jalen Green's award right now. Like we're already awarding it to them. But I mean, you know, best case scenario, Duarte takes over, has a 20 game stretch where he's averaging 21 points per game, which might sound crazy and probably is. But or maybe even 18. Like I'm just saying there's a chance, right? Got to be hopeful. Yep, and that's the mantra for the Pacers fandom. You got Isaiah Jackson, right? Yes, I do. You want to do that, or do you want me to move on? No, let's let's keep doing the young guys because I'm getting hyped. So let sure Isaiah Jackson. So uh, going into the first game of the summer league, uh, we didn't see a lot of Isaiah Jackson uh, getting a lot of playing time. Uh, I think he only had eight minutes in the first game. Uh, I didn't even realize he was on the court. Uh, I watched the first uh, five games. Uh, I didn't even notice he was there for a couple of them, but. Uh, he averaged 16 and a half minutes in the summer league. Uh, he had uh, averaged 9.2 points, 5.6 rebounds, one steal and three blocks a game. Uh, of course, uh, I think most people know that Isaiah Jackson did tie the summer league records record for most blocks in a game with seven, obviously showing his defensive capabilities, at least uh, in protecting the rim. This obviously shines uh, a little bit of a comparison to replacing Miles Turner, at least uh, whenever the front office decides to uh, break up Turbonus, which uh, there's a lot of, there's different sides to the uh, coin with, of course, the Miles Turner and Sabonis combo, if it'll work out. Isaiah Jackson definitely shows a lot of defensive premise um, and potential that the Pacers do need. Of course, his athleticism, I'd say, is definitely better than Miles Turner. He is a freak of nature and athleticism. Uh, he can be a lob threat. He's kind of more aggressive and less, uh, he's not very, he's not soft at all. Um, uh, he shines a lot uh, in the de- in the defensive uh, aspect of the game. He holds lots of potential in that aspect, uh, and that which is something the Pacers really need. And his ability to run to the rim can be elite, and he's able to outrun his defender because he has a very explosive speed. Uh, he is only uh, 6'9", I believe, or 6'10", and he's very agile, so... I mean, uh, he can be able to blow by those bigger centers, uh, especially if we try and run small ball with Isaiah at the five. Uh, it could work. Uh, we just need to see uh, how much playing time he does get and how much the how much Rick Carlisle decides decides to give him in terms of minutes. So, who's your who's your comparison for Isaiah Jackson then? Nicholas Claxton and Nerlens Noel kind of show those are two bigs that are uh, pretty agile and uh, defensive defense first bigs, uh, especially Nerlens Noel. We saw him, uh, I believe he come off the, came off the bench this year, and he was averaging, what was it, two blocks off the bench this year. So that was uh, pretty great for the Knicks. I know he's a pretty big piece to the Knicks' uh, success this year. Obviously, we hope Isaiah Jackson uh, can be a quality starter at some point in his career. He is only 19, so he's got tons of time to develop. And Nick Claxton uh, just being uh, an athletic center that the Nets uh, like to use, not really for scoring, but for defense, of course being that they already have a ton of scoring in Katie, Harden, and Kyrie. But Jackson, uh, he can be a quality starter that the Pacers uh, should be excited to have. I was pretty excited when we drafted him, knowing he was only 19. And yeah, it seems like uh, he's happy to be in Indiana as well. So I'm excited to see uh, how he turns out. Yeah, I'm stoked for him. I love that the Pacers made all those moves during draft night as well. What I will say, too, is the past few years, there's been a ton of teams who have been really high on Aaron Holiday. And the Pacers, I mean, there's been a lot of reports that Aaron Holiday may be in trade packages to sweeten deals. Like if we send Miles Turner away, maybe we throw an Aaron Holiday and we can get a a player that we're looking for, potential superstar or potential all-star, at least caliber player for those two. And last year we saw Aaron Holiday's stock plummet. 
and I I don't think I've se- I'm certain I haven't seen anybody talking about this because this is just something I've been thinking about recently. But with that happening and the and Aaron Holiday losing a lot of his trade value, I really think the Pacers for what they did at the draft night and moving Aaron Holiday for this pick. I think they traded the 31st and Aaron Holiday, correct, for Isaiah Jackson. We started with, uh, with 55 and 58. We moved that to 31, right? And then yeah. took Aaron and 31, turned that into 22. Yeah, I know one of the picks was 60th that we traded. 60th, yeah. It was 58th and 60th, not 55, pardon me. I think just if I had to guess how the front office is thinking, they're going to want to try to salvage what little of anything of, you know, like all the look, they messed up with Aaron holiday, not trading him sooner. And then he had a terrible season last year. Some, he showed some flashes, but if you're asking me if Aaron holiday was good last year, the answer is no. And I'm sure the front office noticed that it, it, they moved him at the wrong time. So maybe they're going to really invest in Isaiah Jackson to, you know, salvage some hope that they could have had with an Aaron Holiday trade uh, maybe a year or two prior. So I think this Isaiah Jackson move is a big deal for the Pacers front office because it's going to show that maybe they could have salvaged Aaron Holiday's trade value if they got a good player out of this and I think they're going to give him more opportunity than we've seen in the past with some of our young guys that are you know like at that 11 to 12 range on the team like we never got to see Alizé Johnson who was a second round pick and probably you know in practice isn't going to look the same as a first round pick like Isaiah Jackson but you know we never really got to see what Alizé Johnson was capable of until you know he played for the Nets last year and had like a 2020 game and had other good games and actually today signed with the bulls two year he got a two-year deal which is awesome got a good player there yeah shout out alizé johnson he's a great player yeah yeah you love to see it but man i i think there's a lot of potential for isaiah jackson to grow in this organization i think this is a sign that goga might have a really short leash and maybe on the way out and i really do like your comparisons to nerland's noel and look we're i've been talking with jeremy and austin about maybe doing a a draft on the podcast, uh, a draft of guys that we still have stock in that most people don't in the NBA. And I don't know how people feel about Nick's Cla- Nick Claxton, but I know that I have more stock in Nick's- Nick Claxton than most, maybe not Brooklyn Nets fans, but I love him. I love his rim running ability and his creativity as well. So I really like those comparisons. I see it a lot with Isaiah Jackson. And look, if he can be a good defender, as good of a defender as Nerlens Noel and rim run, then I think that's a, a great pick at 23. For sure. I'm very happy that we got something out of Aaron Holiday. I know his value did, of course, plummet with uh, his very frustrating season. Uh, at least watching it was very frustrating. But uh, I do remember back uh, a couple of trade deadlines ago, I saw a ton of uh, rumors with the Knicks really wanting him, and uh, all that just disappeared. Uh, I was very surprised we didn't trade him at the deadline this year. I was also very surprised we didn't make a single move at the trade deadline, but I'm glad we were able to turn someone that doesn't get any minutes into a, uh, a good prospect, at least. My hunch is that Aaron Holiday... Well, we, we know. I, I had one report, someone telling me that Aaron Holiday was potentially on the move. I had a, some someone in the organization tell me last year at the trade deadline that I can't even remember the teams we were talking to, but there were two teams the Pacers were getting on a, a Zoom call with, and it was going to be circling Miles Turner, Aaron Holiday, you know, the usual guys that were on the trade block last year. 
And if I had to guess, people or teams probably weren't offering much for Aaron Holiday, maybe a second or two seconds for him. And I'm sure the Pacers would say no to that. And that's probably why a lot of the trade talks fell through. So the fact that we had to pair him with a 31st just to get a 23rd pick is wild, but it worked out. And hopefully Isaiah Jackson can be that prospect that we can be excited for in the future. And hopefully right some of the wrongs with Goga Patadze at 18th a couple of years ago too. Hopefully. So yeah. Although I still have some stock in Goga Patadze and he might be one of my picks if we do that draft. Anyway, you got Dwayne Washington next, right? Yeah. So, uh, of course, uh, signing Dwayne Washington, we knew that he wasn't going to come in and crack the rotation. Uh, at least immediately. Uh, in about 16 and a half minutes in the summer league, he averaged just about 11 points, one rebound, one assist, and uh, about a steal. At least in one game, I think it was one of the first games, he uh, showcased his scoring ability. Uh, I think he had about 20-something points. Uh, it was very impressive. Uh, at least uh, going down the line in the season, we might be an injured team, hopefully not, but he, uh, he has showed some capabilities of being able to be a spark plug off the bench. He, he seems very confident in his scoring ability, at least uh, from what we saw. I like that he was uh, not very passive. He's a very aggressive player. Uh, one thing that he did lack, though, I know he is a point guard or a shooting guard, a shooting guard point guard, but he is a combo guard. Uh, the one thing that he can't really do is playmake, which uh, I kind of like some playmaking from the new guys that we bring in, but uh, his scoring ability is good enough that that makes him a useful asset to the team. Uh, if I was to compare him to someone, I'd uh, give him Tyler Johnson as a realistic comparison. Uh, he can provide scoring off the bench as an 11th or 12th man. Uh, he's confident in his scoring ability, which is all we really need. He's a little bit shrieky in college, but I mean, that's okay. That's something he'll get used to uh, with time and uh, growing in the NBA. And a noticeable weakness that I just talked about was his playmaking, uh, which I mean might not be needed. I know he's only about like uh, 6'2", I believe. So uh, it would be helpful for him to play make, but I mean, if we need scoring, he'll be the guy, uh, at least as a reserve type player. For sure. And we, we really don't expect to see much of him during the season unless there are injuries, which as all Pacer fans know, there probably will be. With Dwayne Washington, he was a really fun summer league guy to watch. But I mean, we have, what, 12 guys on our roster who have proven that they can be in a rotation and we'll, we'll see if Washington gets his chance. And I, I, I hope he does. So who are your comparisons for him? Oh, for uh, Dwayne Washington, I said yeah. uh, Tyler Johnson. Oh, Tyler Johnson. Yeah. Okay. That, I like that one, man. He's so the, the things that I like about Dwayne Washington, I don't know much about Tyler Johnson, honestly, um, other than like a little bit from his Miami heat days, but the things I like about Dwayne Washington are like you said, he's a scorer. He shot in the high 80s or mid 80s from the free throw line in college, which is a big deal. And um, during summer league, you know, like he's not afraid to shoot the three. He's really, I mean, he really is able to get open when he needs to um, in traffic. And that's not an easy thing to do either, especially against guys in the summer league who are trying as hard as they can to prove that they deserve to be on an NBA roster. And look, like I said, we'll see if he gets playing time and gets to showcase any of this, but he's at least able to create a shot and hopefully it can translate to the NBA level. Yeah. The one thing I saw in the summer league that was most uh, prevalent to me was his confidence. Uh, I really liked that. Even if he was missing, he'd continue to shoot. Uh, there's a lot of players on the Pacers that uh, aren't so confident in their scoring ability. At least uh, they'll get down on themselves if they start missing and they won't shoot as much. 
that's something that Aaron Holiday had as well, is he was a very confident scorer. Uh, whether he missed or not, he'd keep shooting, and that's always a good thing, at least if you're a young player. One thing this does make me, uh, there's one player that I have my uh, eyes on that this makes me a little worried for, is uh, I really wanted to see some more Keelan Martin uh, next season. I know he's he had a great season last year, at least towards the end. I hope he gets playing time. It's just we're bringing in a lot of talent right now and a lot of players that can be rotational. I think Jeremy Lamb's like 11th on our depth chart right now, so I'm, I'm kind of worried for uh, Keelan. Uh, he's just going to be rotting on the bench, and uh, I, I still think he can be a quality bench player at some point in his NBA career. I'm not high on Keelan Martin at all. I, I know he showed flashes. Yeah, he showed flashes at the end of the season, but I, I don't know. I I don't like him as an NBA player. I... I mean, he's a pacer, so yeah, I like him enough, you know. But yeah. I'm going to be honest. I'm excited to invest in younger guys that, like some of these four guys that we're going to talk about right now or the three that we have in Giroux that we're going to talk about next. I'm more willing to invest in them and like Edmund Sumner going forward. Than yeah, that's that's another guy. Uh, Edmund Sumner, uh, I don't see where he fits onto our bench as of right now. So I'm also, uh, I'm high on Edmund Sumner, very high on him. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I'm definitely more worried about Edmund Sumner than uh, Keelan. He's gonna Edmund Sumner's gonna play. Yeah, it's just we have. A, I don't know if we're running like more than uh, like how many men are we gonna put in our lineup? Like uh, 11, 12? It'll probably be eleven or twelve. Yeah, probably, but I don't know. I I really think the Jeremy Lamb trade. It, he's gonna be paired with somebody. And... Yeah, it's gotta happen. It's gotta happen. He's going to get moved at some point, and it might be for a big or a stretch four or something like that. So we'll see. Hopefully he's paired with Miles Turner. We can move Sabonis to the five and get a stretch four. Maybe let Sabonis be the point center. Yeah, i just like to see some change. Uh, I, I don't want to see Jeremy Lamb on the roster anymore. Whether we get nothing in return, I, I think I, I'd rather see other players play. Let's move him. Let's. Uh, I mean, he shot really well from three last year, so can't be mad at him for that. <laughs> That's true. Let's talk about Giroux now. Yeah, sure. So I think Giroux, Giroux didn't play on the Pacers Summer League team. I, I, I can't remember if it was the Kings or the Blazers. I think it was one of those two teams, but he averaged 11.5 points, six assists, and one and a half steals. I'd give him, as a realistic player comparison, I'd, uh, I'd just say he's a worse Patrick Beverly. I like the pickup, though. Uh, the Pacers really wanted more defensive identity, and this is a guy that brings his defense to the table. Uh, Giroux is 24 years old. He's an older player, so obviously he's going to have a higher defensive IQ. At least that's what we hope. Uh, he's a great defender. He's six foot five, so he's a pretty uh, a good sized point guard. And uh, I was watching some of his uh, highlights when he went to Houston uh, for college, and uh, a lot of the announcers were talking about how he brought a lot of energy to the defensive side of the ball, uh, which is something I'm pretty happy about. And he was able to uh, make a lot of plays. He wasn't a uh, scoring player at all really in college but he made a lot of plays and uh played great defense so I'm, I'm pretty happy with this pickup yeah i like it too and you said a, a worse patrick beverly yeah all right so just you're hoping for like a feisty defender yeah just a scrappy uh aggressive defender would be great i'm glad that you gave some analysis on him because to be honest i don't know much about him other than a few articles that i've read and uh if i mean look if a ceiling is even Patrick Beverly, that's not a bad case for him. I don't know what a worse Patrick Beverly, how that fits into an NBA team, but look, cool. He's he's going to be a 14th or 15th man that spends a lot of time in 
Fort Wayne. I mean, he could, he could show himself. He could show his talents in Fort Wayne. Hopefully, uh, which maybe he blossoms and we can call him up. But that worked for O'Shea Brissett. It did. So I mean, and O'Shea Brissett's going to be a pacer for at least a couple years, unless he's traded. Very excited to see him. Very excited yes. to watch O'Shea. Another guy on the Pacers who will be in that rotation. Yes, I hope that definitely, definitely. Which probably means Isaiah Jackson won't be. Yeah, you know, he's 19. He he can wait. He can wait a little bit. Uh, He'll get minutes, but I don't expect him to. He's a little too raw to get minutes, like a lot of minutes right off the bat. For sure. And Jermaine O'Neal had to wait in Portland, so. Yeah, he's got time. He's got time. He's not an old prospect. Sabonis low-key waited in Oklahoma City by shooting corner threes. Your boy. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, sweet, man. So let's do a quick recap of the comparison. So Duarte, you had... Duarte, I had uh, long-term Danny Green and Wesley Matthews and a little bit of Tyreek Evans with a jump shot, shot-creating and a 3-and-D type player. And the the Warriors had Clay Thompson. The Warriors' uh, front office did allegedly say that he was a Clay Thompson clone. Yes, which would be amazing. Yeah, that would be amazing. Uh, Isaiah Jackson? Isaiah Jackson, I had uh, Nerlens Doyle and Nick Claxton, just an athletic defensive big that can rim run, of course, and be a lob threat. Dwayne Washington Jr. You Dwayne had... Washington was Tyler Johnson, just a, uh, a spark uh, scorer off the bench, confident scorer. And then and Jermaine... Jermaine was uh, worse Patrick Beverly. <laughs> hey, man, Whatever you know what? that looks like. Whatever that looks like. This is better than, you know, like, I don't know if you remember in, gosh, it was like Jalen Rose and Bill Simmons in like during the draft for ESPN used to do player comps for all the first round picks and every single comp that they gave was a superstar player from either, you know, like any era of the NBA. But if it was like the 29th guy picked, they're like, Oh man, you know who this guy reminds me of prime Chris Weber. It's like, Oh, come on, man. You're not getting prime Chris Weber at 29. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but like not every pick's going to be a superstar. The chance, yeah. Yeah, so I, I like that you have some realistic comparisons, and I think I, I'm to be honest, you nailed it. I think hope we'll see. Hopefully, we'll look back on this podcast in ten years and say, "Man, Sal knew what he was talking about," and maybe this can lead to you running ESPN or something. But look, dude, if and also what I will say, if if these guys can turn into their uh, potential, like you're talking about, then. The Pacers kind of nailed the draft, and you can't be mad about that. Or nailed free agency, too, for two of these guys. I honestly don't even feel like I should read my comparisons for the returning players because I think you nailed your list enough. But I'll, I'll do like a brief uh, overview of some of these guys. So I did I did eight players. Well, well, seven, actually. I have Levert. I could not think of a comparison for Levert, so I'm going to have to do that on a future podcast because I was, I was looking at Michael Red, Michael Finley, um who else was i looking at i mean i had this whole list of guys that i was going through and i was like when i think of cares levert i think of a shot creator who kind of is herky jerky and i don't really know how to look that up in the nba like who's like a a guy who drives to the rim and makes weird motions to to like you know make the defenders not really know where you're going and i couldn't think of a player like that who's on the same caliber as Karis LeVert, you know, like the prime example would be like a, a Chris Paul. Like when he drives to the rim, he's listed at six foot one, maybe, but he's probably five foot ten. And he consistently scores over bigs. 
and it's just he's so creative and herky-jerky that you just don't know where he's going and that's kind of how I see Karis LeVert so I I left that one blank for now I'll I'll get there I, th- I felt like Michael Red was the right answer but his shot's just so weird and I I don't I don't know I just couldn't I couldn't commit to that but I have comparisons for seven of these other guys so I, I hope you know a lot of these guys I'm sure you will let's start with Brogdon our point guard who I see as more of a combo guard, which we've seen in the past on the Pacers with George Hill, who is one of the comparisons that I have for Brogdon. Defensive-minded combo guard who is put in a position where he runs the offense for the Pacers because he isn't going to lose possession of the ball, but scores really well from deep when called upon. And just like a solid, you know, not like overly athletic player, and someone that you can rely on for the Pacers. So George Hill's one of my three guys that I named for this. George Hill was the third of the three. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think George Hill is a little more playmaking orientated than Brogdon. Uh, I would much rather see Brogdon slide over to the two guard because he has shown that uh, when he's playing off the ball, he is like way better. Uh, uh, I don't know if this was a just a Bjorken and McMillan thing, but we saw a lot of Brogdon isoing at the top of the key, especially against Miami in the playoffs, and that was something that was extremely uh, disappointing. Uh, I don't know if he can be that true point guard for us, but if he can show that this season, I mean, I'll be high on him again. But as of right now, I'd like to see him play more shooting guard minutes than point guard. Which, when you said the isolation at the top of the key, that's one of the first things I thought of for him when I was doing these comparisons because the – really surprisingly stellar aspect of Brogdon's game is being able to get to the basket consistently because he's so big and strong. He gets around these point guard defenders consistently. And my first thought was um, when I was thinking of point guards that did something similar to that was Darren Williams, who is a terrible comparison for Brogdon other than is strong and can get to the basket like Brogdon does. Williams, Darren Williams was a great facilitator. I don't know if you remember him in his prime at all. Amazing. I know he was uh, one of the top point guards in the NBA at one point. It was him and Chris Paul, I believe, right? Yeah, it was. I remember having discussions in, I, I guess, probably early high school with buddies who was better, Chris Paul or Darren Williams, which is crazy in hindsight. But Darren Williams was really that gifted for a couple seasons. And, yeah, he was, he was strong and big and could fight through uh, – the defense to get to the rim, similar to what Brogdon does. But on that same kind of line, the Darren Williams line, I'm going to go next with Jameer Nelson for Malcolm Brogdon, who was a one-time All-Star. And most people remember him from, I think it was 2009, when the Magic made the NBA Finals loss, but Dwight Howard was the best player. Jameer Nelson maybe was the second best player. They had like Rashard Lewis, Hito Turkoglu. That, that team was pretty much stacked and almost like a, I don't even know. It was like a one-of-a-kind team where they had one center who didn't shoot and just rebounded like crazy and then was surrounded by three-point shooters in an era where that was kind of crazy. And what I liked about Jameer Nelson was kind of the same stuff with Brogdon. He's um, able to create on offense and shoots really well and just like a solid leader for your team. Bigger, stockier, strong, and... You know, when I think of Brogdon, like I talked about, that's kind of a player I think of. I also put Devin Harris. I don't think this one's as good. I think Devin Harris is quicker and, um, I mean, shoots well like Brogdon and can facilitate an offense, but 
if I'm really trying to think of who I think Brogdon's like, I think it's somewhere, maybe like a hybrid of, I know you don't agree with this with George Hill, but I think it's like a George Hill, Jameer Nelson kind of hybrid somewhere in there, maybe like a mix of both. But look, I think Brogdon could potentially, like we could argue that he's a better scorer of the three, of those three that I named. And, you know, could be an all-star one day. We'll see how his career works out. But I think he's a solid player. And if if you're compared to those three guys, then, I mean, you're obviously a pretty solid player. So, like I said, I skipped Levert. So, we're not doing the shooting guard. Then I went to TJ Warren, who I don't really know what he's going to look like this year. We'll see. He's had a whole year off. Wild card. Total, total wild card. Obviously, the last time we saw him was... Yeah, well, actually, you know, we saw him a little bit this year, beginning of the year. But, yeah, and we really didn't get to see him either. But Bubble Warren's our most recent memory that sticks, at least for me. And when I was thinking, you know, like, what could what's like a, a healthy in-between of what we've seen from Warren in the past in Bubble Warren. And first of all, you know, like, if Warren can hit that Bubble Warren peak and be that talented for the rest of his career. I mean, we're talking Michael Jordan, LeBron comparisons right there. Easy. But I had to, you know, I had to simmer down a little bit and pick someone a little lower than that because you have to pick somewhere in between. And one of my thoughts was Karan Butler. And I don't know if you remember Karan Butler, but a sneaky good defender. I mean, actually, some people would say he was a really good defender, but um, t- I mean, could shoot the ball well. One of those guys on your team, you know, like could be a, a third guy on a championship team and um, just like a solid player who is consistently good but you know like not just like that average or above average maybe even like slightly above average type of player and I think that's where Warren kind of slides into Karan Butler was a two-time all-star I think that potential could be there for Warren if we get to see um, him keep taking steps like we did come bubble time and I, I don't know. It's, it's Like you said, he's a wild card. This was a tough comparison for me, but one of my first thoughts when I was doing this was Karan Butler. And I don't know. Do you remember him at all? What, what are your thoughts when you hear that? Yeah, I know uh, I know Karan Butler. He played on the Wizards. I mean, TJ Warren himself has always been a bucket. Uh, I think he's averaged uh, close to 20 points every single season he's been in the league. I believe when he came to Indiana, I don't think he was uh, a good defender. Like, he wasn't uh, looked at as a good defender, but I think uh, he played under Nate McMillan for a year, or was that just under Bjorken? It, McMillan for a year. Yeah, so, um, yeah, because I was in the bubble. So, um, yeah, I think McMillan turned him into, like, just a average defender. I mean, his defense definitely improved when he came to Indiana. Uh, I'm not going to say he's a good defender as of right now, but he's definitely a bucket getter. Uh, I don't know. He was first team all bubble, so obviously we saw that he uh, was very talented, at least uh, for that, I don't know, was it a couple of weeks? But um, obviously we don't expect him to be that crazy. Uh, he'd, he'd easily be the best player on the Pacers if that if he kept it up. But uh, I think Karan's a fair comparison. I mean, both could score. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, TJ could be a, uh, a good player on a uh, championship team. So when I think of TJ Warren, I think, if he's at his, if he's playing well and playing to his potential, he could at least be the third best guy on a championship team. Yeah, that's valid. That's that's how I think of a lot of these Pacers, though. Is they're third guys on a championship team. Yeah, they are. They are. Yeah. So let's move on. Um, next, I have Sabonis. We we, 
it's hard for me to do comparisons for some of these guys that we've seen for so long because they are who they are. Like they're these, well, I mean, Sabonis is going to continue to grow. He's young and Miles mm-hmm. Turner will too. But when I was thinking of Sabonis, I was kind of in my head trading Miles Turner and letting Sabonis be the center. And the when I think of Sabonis in that role, I think of him as almost a point center where he's going to look to make the pass to the open guy. If someone's cutting, Sabonis is going to find him. Obviously, he makes um, point guard, star point guard type of passes at time, at times. He can, I mean, his post game, his low post game is probably top five, maybe top three in the league right now. There's only a few guys that I can think of that, I mean, compares to him at least, and that might be better. And minus a three-point game, I see a lot of potential to be a Nikola Jokic type point center. I have a really hard time. And I said that slow. I really have a really hard time saying that. And I said it slow because obviously Nikola Jokic is an MVP caliber player. And I hope that shows how high I think of Sabonis and how little this role is that he's in right now is helping him reach his potential. Because I think as soon as we give Sabonis the reins and maybe like a four who can stretch the floor and guard really well on defense, um, it's going to clear out. Obviously, like there's not going to be that other big body on the other or on the Pacers preventing. When we see Sabonis in the second unit, first of all, I'm just going to go to there. When we see Sabonis sliding with the second unit, which we've seen a lot in the past, the starters will go out, but Sabonis will stay in. I mean, he thrives there, you know being creative, getting his teammates involved, and then scoring when he needs to because he is a bucket just like Warren. I see a lot of Jokic in him. I don't want to say Walmart Jokic because I've heard that in the past. I'm going to go like a slightly higher than that with potential to be, you know, near Nikola Jokic. I I know you think that sounds crazy. So I'm going to move on. I'm not I'm going to let you give like a quick thought after this, but the next one I have is LaMarcus Aldridge for Demonis Sabonis. And this is purely post-game. Um, Sabonis has a strong post-game. This is like, I'm thinking prime LaMarcus Aldridge. Has that mid-range jumper, stellar post-game. Not the best defender, but is a, a skilled offensive scoring option. And LaMarcus Aldridge got a ton of opportunity in Portland. If Sabonis got that many shots and continued to grow as the best player on a team, could he turn into someone like that who's a, you know, seven, eight-time All-Star. I don't know how many All-Star games LaMarcus Aldridge has made, but yeah, I think he could. You know, I think that's a that's a good a potential for Sabonis right there. And I mean, obviously, I'd wanted to see him as the point center like Jokic, but well, okay, so give me your thoughts because you've been giving me these looks this whole time. I want to hear what you have to say. All right, so I'm a Sabonis super fan, as uh, at least a lot of my friends know, and I'm sure you know. Um, so I'm going to be a little bit critical on him. Uh, so one thing, a few things I noticed this season were, uh, of course, uh, he's a lot more confident in playmaking and bringing the ball up. Uh, it's a lot of times where he just outlets the ball straight. He grabs it, goes coast to coast, makes a play, or just takes it all the way. Um, and I also noticed that uh, he takes a lot more post fadeaways. Uh, he's definitely getting a lot more comfortable with uh, shooting um, from not in the post, but like from outside. Uh, he took, uh, I believe it was about three threes a game this year which uh, I'm totally fine with, uh, whether he makes them or not, at least he's shooting them. 
the mid-range game is getting a lot better. But one thing that is preventing him from blossoming is his defense. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty horrible. Um, definitely needs to learn uh, with that. But I don't know if it helps uh, him running a dual big man lineup. I think he could definitely be a lot better at the five. Uh, uh, I, I would like to see uh, whether we trade and we get uh, a stretch four, like you said, that can play defense. Um, I mean, trying out Warren at the four, Karras at the three, uh, Brogdon at the two, and then I don't know who our point guard would be, but something like that, uh, I wouldn't mind. I mean, Sponis is a point center. Uh, that's not a stretch to say. Uh, but just like the Nuggets do, I mean, Jokic isn't really uh, known for his defense. He's, he's pretty average at that. But um, He's bigger. Sabonis. Yeah, he's definitely he's bigger than Sabonis. Uh, I don't know about stronger, but he's definitely has a wider frame and a, a bigger body. But, uh, I mean, if we surround Sabonis with defenders, he uh, can kind of get that same kind of effect. Uh, Sabonis, of course, uh, he has time to develop. He's only, what is it, he just turned 25. So uh, he's got to learn how to play defense. Uh, what I like this season was he's a lot more comfortable taking jump shots. Uh saw that a lot more, especially because he kind of became the first option since Victor went down, uh, however, like a couple of years ago. So uh, he's had a lot more uh, freedom in the offense. Uh, although sometimes it's a little frustrating when uh, he forces a lot of shots. Um, I mean, he, he's, he's going to grow and he's going to become uh, probably uh, at least two more times being an all-star. So uh in, yeah, there's a lot of potential in him. I, I think he is the franchise player as of right now, unless we uh, see way more improvement from Karras. But uh, I just don't know how reliable Karras can be with his health. Uh, I know he's a pretty injury-prone player, which we've seen throughout his NBA career. Uh, Sabonis is kind of the exact opposite. I mean, he plays through his injuries all season. Uh, he, he wanted to play uh, when he went out for, what was it, a uh, couple weeks he was out. Uh, I remember uh, there was reports saying that he really wanted to play and uh, he plays on a lot of bone bruises, I believe, and stuff like that. Of course, being a, a post player and having to muscle your way through stuff. Uh, I think he's, he's got a lot of time to shine. Yeah. Uh, plantar fasciitis is what you're thinking of that he had. When you said he'll at least have two more all-stars, I have it at over under one all-star appearances the rest of his career. Because I, I, I honestly think if he has one more all-star appearance, then, like, that's kind of what I expect. You know, like, small market, good player, but not, like, a uh, flashy player. But that's, you know, if he stays in this role. If TJ Warren moves to the four and we keep a combo guard like Brogdon in at point guard to guard other point guards, which would be amazing, and Sabonis is the five, but also running the offense a lot of times. And dude, I'm in. Let's move on. I I don't want to talk long about this because we're we're gonna wrap up here soon. But I got Miles Turner comparisons. This is pretty obvious, I think, for a lot of people. I was thinking like Serge Ibaka, a three and D big man. Um, Turner's bigger, but you know, like Serge when he when he was at his peak, Ibaka when he was at his peak was a three point shooting big who protected the paint on the other end. And then I also put Mark Gasol because I, I think that is the obvious comparison, you know, like sturdy defender, block shots, and then shoots threes on the other end. If you asked me a year ago if I think that's a fair comparison, I'd say no. But I think Miles Turner showed a lot of flashes of uh, his defensive versatility this past season that 
set that makes me want to compare him to Marcus Hall a little bit, you know. So uh, let's let's move on real quick, and then I'll let you give a couple takes on these. But I do want to wrap up here soon. Um, I don't know if you remember this guy that I'm going to compare T.J. McConnell to, but T.J. McConnell is a crafty scorer around the rim, has like those reverse layups that are just kind of like ugly. That you know a lot of people you if you're playing pickup you won't see make because it's ugly. But like T.J. McConnell finishes around the rim and isn't afraid to finish around the room however he needs to um really i mean obviously a really good uh pickpocket type of point guard and quick like when he gets the ball off a rebound or the center hands on the ball after a rebound he's up the floor quick obviously he's one of the faster players on the pacers my thought was speedy claxton i don't know if you remember this player but exactly what i said about tj mcconnell right there is exactly the type of player that you would say speedy claxton is and i uh i don't know i I never really thought speedy claxton was like a stellar or like a star player or anything you want to say the same about tj mcconnell i actually went through and watched some of speedy claxton highlights if anyone's listening uh to this right now i or if anyone that's listening to this right now is thinking that's crazy look go look up some speedy claxton highlights because it's kind of crazy the similarities between him and tj mcconnell but that's my T.J. McConnell comparison. I know you could look back and look at all those, you know, like crafty point guards that you see out of the back uh, court come up and poke the ball out of the um, opposing point guards' hands from behind. Like you can find point guards on every team like that. Like there's even the one on um, Denver right now, Campazzo, Facundo Campazzo, and that's kind of like the yeah the the T.J. McConnell archetype right there. Like you know the the crafty point guards who are like pests, you know. And I think that's what T.J. McConnell is. And I think he really was an elite pest last season. Maybe the best pest in the NBA last season. Speedy Claxton, I think, could be a generous comparison. But that's who I have for him. I'm going to move on to Justin Holiday, who this comparison might be crazy because I, I'm saying Craig Elo from the Cavaliers. I don't know if you remember him. Really good three-point shooter. Um, actually a lockdown defender at a lot of times, too. And I only made this comparison because, well, first of all, he's just... It's, look, Justin Holiday shoots really well from deep, and that's the best part about his game, if you're asking me, and I'm sure a lot of Pacer fans too. But he's also a really sneaky defender, and you can count on him to lock down someone if you need to. Craig Elo was a really sneaky defender, and you could count on him to lock down people if you needed him to. And I think there's a lot of uh, fair comparisons between the two. Both have shot over 40% from three during seasons, and... Uh, Elo probably had the better career. I don't know. I haven't actually looked at the careers and lined them up side by side. So I don't know if this is a great comparison or anything. Elo might have been the best player on the Cavaliers a couple times too. But that's my comparison for now. I'm sure I could even say maybe a slightly worse Craig Elo, and that'd be accepted. So that's what I'm going to go with. And then finally, I did Torrey Craig, and this one's easy. I just said the Trevor Ariza archetype, you know, like those types of players, like the 3 and D small forwards that kind of float from team to team. So you see like Robert Covington doing that a lot more recently. Um, Trevor Ariza, like I said, was one of those guys. Those guys that, you know, float around are three-point shooters that also play hard-nosed defense on the other end. So what what are – do you have any thoughts on those last four players that I, I named? I said Miles Turner, TJ McConnell, Justin Holiday, and Torrey Craig. 
Okay, uh, I don't know who Speedy Claxton is, so I mean, I okay. can take your word on that. I'll do some research. I'll look into him. Justin Holiday, uh, I know he had a little bit of a cold streak uh, this season, I believe, with his shooting. I'd say the best part of his game is his ability to guard from the two to the four. And Torrey Craig, uh, I thought that was valid as well. But the Miles Turner comparison, uh, uh, I mean, I like the Marcus Saul one. Uh, obviously, I don't think he's going to have as good of a career as Marcus Saul is. Sergi Bach, I liked, besides the fact that. Surge is a little more aggressive. Uh, when I think of Miles Turner, at least, uh, I know he doesn't have a lot of confidence to be a go-to guy a lot in the games. Uh, he's not as aggressive and he's a little soft at times, but his defense is definitely there. Uh, I think he should get, uh, he's been snubbed this last year, I think. Uh, if he wasn't injured, I think he would have made it, but uh, I think he's bound to make it, uh, at least um, in the next couple of seasons. I think he can make it if his health is uh, reliable, but uh, yeah, he's basically a 3 and D big man. Uh, he's elite at shot blocking, as we can see, as I think every single week before he got injured, he was leading the league in blocks per game and blocks uh, total. So, you know, excited to see what he does next season. But uh, the one thing I'd really like to see from him is uh, definitely to get his confidence up because uh, I know sometimes when he's really hot at the start of a game, I remember watching the Bulls, uh, the page for the Bulls, I think it was a couple of years ago, but uh, Miles started off really hot and uh, he just dominated that game. Uh, I think he had like close to 30 points and uh, you need to see that more often. I think he gets a little down on himself sometimes when he starts missing right off the bat. So I, I don't know if that's how you, uh, if, if he can improve on that, but uh, I can't remember if it was uh, the Pistons uh, but I remember, uh, I, I can't remember what podcast I heard this on, but uh, apparently like, I can't remember, like these are two very different teams, but I think it was either Kevin Love or Ben Wallace that the coach would run a play for them at the start of the game to get their confidence up, like to get them an easy shot or an easy couple of shots. So they stay warmed up the whole game and they don't like start getting in their own heads. But it, it was, it was either Kevin Love or Ben Wallace that plays were ran for them like that. But maybe that's something that we can see Rick Carlisle do because we know that Rick Carlisle and Miles Turner are pretty close. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that the Pacers should start doing for him. He's the fifth scoring option, I'd say, out of the starting lineup. And if Duarte's in the game, I would bet Duarte's uh, scoring option ahead of Turner. And maybe after that is Turner. So... That, not going to get a ton of shots this year, especially if there's health on the Pacers. But, I mean, I, I, I feel like at this point he is who he is. He's not going to rebound. He'll, he'll hit open threes, and he'll protect the paint. And that's really what you're asking him to do right now, you know? Spread the floor for Sabonis to score inside and create, um, and then protect the paint on the other end. So I agree with Serge Ibaka was more aggressive. I'm sure there's a better comparison out there. But these you know these... Uh, three-point shooting centers, that's a thats a brand new thing in the NBA. So there's not a lot of guys to compare him to. I honestly wanted to say Minute Bowl, but I just think that's too crazy. I think that's, you know, like three-point shooting yeah. shot There's similar aspects, but definitely different frames. Yeah, sure. it's definitely different frames. And I don't think, I think Minute Bowl's a unicorn and no one's going to ever be compared to him safely. So, I don't think so either. Anyway, hey man, uh, it was great talking to you about this stuff. I honestly probably didn't even need to do my segment because I think your segment was so great. I love your comparisons for your four new guys. Yeah, man. And um, 
I hope I'm speaking for everybody who's listening right now when I say this, but the All Pacers on Instagram has been a blast, and I'm really excited to hear from you more in the future and continue to be a part of this All Pacers community too and uh, see where you go with it, man. Yeah, me too. And I still will be around too. I know I just made that sound like that like I'm just going to be watching you do all this Sal but um yeah I'll still you know obviously be doing this podcast with you creating some content on Instagram as well and uh just being part of this community and you know a, a fun new way so anyway Sal uh I hope you have a great night thanks for making time and taking time out of your uh busy Canadian schedule to do this and hopefully we can do it again soon man yeah I'll be back sounds, sounds good, good man well, we'll catch you later yeah Sabonis brought it to him.